This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forrester, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Well, hello and welcome back, my friend. Man, this week, this is going to be fun, especially as a parent and we as dads need all the help we can get, you know. So Jim White is, uh, man, a man just that I'm really encouraged because of where he is, what he's gone through. He's a father of six dads, grandfather to 12, has been married 40 years. So in navigating that, I think he's figured a few things out, guys. <laughs> so Jim's an, an author, recently wrote a book um, about parenting your teen, and we'll get into that. And so Jim's just really got a great story and uh, you know, tells it like it is. So we're going to jump in here. Jim, how are you doing today, my friend? I am awesome. Thank you. And it's a pleasure to be here. Well, glad to have you join me. Hey, if we could, can we start out what does the professional side of life look like for you today? So um, I have a coaching practice. It's a family enrichment Academy. And as the name implies, my focus of my practice is around working with families and again, primarily around parenting skills. Um, and so that it's coaching and educational products. Um, it is really, it's, it's about, you know, communicating wisdom, if you will, which actually I might take a few minutes and give you a little bit of background on how I, how I got here um, to this point. So, it's it's as you mentioned i've been married for 40 years and so i like to say i've, I've spent the last 40 years studying the topics of personal development marriage and parenting um, but more importantly i've spent those 40 years applying the lessons learned as a husband and a father to the six children um, and actually i like to use the analogy of a hero's two journeys um, i'm kind of an example of a hero's two journeys and for your audience that's not familiar with that it, it's a storytelling technique um, if you go to watch a movie or a book the main character or the hero, um, the way they write the story typically is that hero is on two different journeys. There's a they're trying to accomplish a task or a goal, and that's known as the outside journey. It's the journey of accomplishment. Mm. And, you know, the character pursues that goal and they overcome obstacles and they, you know, run into difficulties along the way. But what and that makes the story interesting. But what makes it really compelling is the second journey. And what that second journey involves is that that character is also going through an internal transformation. You know, they're discovering new things about themselves, uh, new principles, values and beliefs that just make their life work better, make them a better person. And so I like to use that analogy for myself because my my life as a husband and parent has kind of followed that path as well. Um, as you can imagine, being a parent of six children, there was a lot of task for us to accomplish, a lot of outside journey to get through. You know, there was homework, there was places to be, clothes to buy, dinners to make. I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff to do. Um, I like to say I was we were six kids busy, if that makes sense, you know, just doing stuff. And we had a lot of obstacles. And I know that's part of your format here, but we overcame a lot of obstacles along the way. Um, we dealt with everything from 
you know, one of our children um, struggling with like a learning disability. Um, so you go from simple issues with homework all the way to learning disabilities. Um, we dealt with everything from a scratch on the knee to one of our kids uh, having some issues with drugs and alcohol, you know, when they're high school and college years. Um, from a, we talked about professional from a business standpoint. Uh, we had a family business that my father had started um, that um, I was working at and went, we went through a bankruptcy with that business. Um, and as you can imagine, being married for 40 years, you know, not every day was a sunny day. We had our share of cloudy days along the way as well. In fact, I like to say we have, and when I think about it, we had three distinct hurricanes, if you will, over our 40-year marriage where, you know, it was touch and go. I mean, there were times where we talked about the possibility of divorce. So, and all families go through that. I'm sure all of your listeners have their, you know, their obstacles that they've overcome as well. But the second part of it is, as all that, as I was going through and doing all the stuff that a husband and father of six children, all you know that that we do, I was also experiencing an internal transformation as well. And it was through my interest in personal development, marriage, and parenting, and really just studying those topics, I was discovering new ways to approach those topics and, you know, learning new values and principles and beliefs that just made our family work better. And, and in fact, I, I wrote actually a, a book about 20 years ago where I, I put together almost like think of it as like a vision statement for our family. It was sort of like an ideal, you know, here's what I would like for the family to look like. And it talked about, you know, the family that respects each other, honors differences, empowers each other. They enjoy being together. Um, another key component is the ability to overcome obstacles and issues that come their way and yet still enjoy the, you know, the good times. And finally, the kind of the key is that the home is always filled with peace, joy, warmth and love. And so that was sort of like an ideal that we we would work towards. And, you know, the family doesn't always look like that, but we do more often than not. And more importantly, over those, you know, this internal transformation, I've gotten to the point where I feel like if we start to get something happens and it knocks us off our game, if you will, or things get a little ch challenging, um, I know how to bring us back. That's the key. You know, there's this process of coming back. And so the where I'm at now, my youngest child is off in college. And I just, over the last several years, have felt called to share insights and wisdom learned over those 40 years. And so I formed the Family Enrichment Academy as a vehicle to help fulfill that calling. And so the book is a part of that. As you mentioned, I've, I've written a book that's really directed at parents with teenagers. Um, again, I do coaching. I have a 28-day parenting boot camp um, that I run people through. And so all of that is just an effort to help share uh, again, insights and wisdom that have been gained over 40 years. So that's kind of a 40-year journey and like a five-minute description on how I how I got to where I am today anyway. That's awesome. Yeah, it's like having a rocket and uh, just doing a high-level <laughs> overview. Yeah, exactly. What does life look like for you on the personal side right now? So um, again, I mentioned our youngest child is now off in college. Um, so our wife and I, are, we're kind of almost like empty nesters, which is a little bit unusual for us because again, we had six children. Um, our oldest child is, what is he, 37 now? And again, we have 12 grandchildren and one new one on the way. So we'll have 13 in the fall. Um, so our, you know, our, life now is uh, spent 
you know, visiting. It's like, you know, we used to have everybody was here and we were doing, you know, the stuff that we would do, whether it was helping with school or going to games or, you know, just different activities, but it was all sort of in the house. Now we end up going places and actually three of our kids are not local. Um, I have um, one that lives in Virginia and we're in, in, in Indiana, so we're Midwest. Um, and one in, it's in Florida, actually two in Florida now. I got two of them are military, so they kind of move around a little bit. Um, so we end up going and visiting. We do a lot. That's a travel is more a part of our daily, daily life. And it's interesting with the way things have changed since COVID. It's a lot easier to do that and still engage and work. And, you know, we just take our stuff with us and we're mobile and can do, you know, we can be anywhere and still do what we do. So um, that's just a, a quick overview of where we are. That's cool. Um, well, let's start off. You said like that you've gone through three hurricanes in your marriage. Just so we're on the same page, what? What does a hurricane look like in a marriage? I mean, we're all going to go through rough patches, but what's a hurricane flush out like? You know, it's um, I like to say it gets almost to it feels like a breaking point. I mean, you, in a marriage, you can have disagreements and in times where you don't feel as connected to your spouse. Um, and that happened like with kids and parents go through this. You know, when they have a lot of kids, they're busy doing stuff with the kids and it's easy for the husband-wife relationship to take a back seat. And so there can be a little bit of a disconnect. And while that's not good, it, it's not always a volatile scenario. And when I say hurricanes, I'm talking about scenarios where it 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 became more volatile, if you will. And, um, and to be honest, one of those was around the um train i mentioned that our family business went through a bankruptcy so there was just a lot of stress financially for us as a family and there's a lot going on at the, at work and actually it was a family business so you can imagine it disrupted the family as a whole and you know it, you start to question okay what does the future look like for us as a family and and when you get to that point that's where it can get kind of scared to be quite honest it becomes scary it becomes fearful you know my wife becomes fearful is you know is this really going to work for us kind of you know that and that's what i mean when it's more of a hurricane at that point it becomes a little bit more emotional okay makes sense i just wanted to make sure it's like i'm on the same page and yeah right. we, we go through those kind of challenges and some are bigger than others so absolutely um, so you've had six children that you've raised, you've gone through like the whole thing of juggling the balls and keeping them in the air. And now they're out on their own. And a lot of, you know, married couples, you know, when, when the kids go out and it's an empty nest, who are you? You know, it's yeah. like, we don't, we don't recognize our spouse. How did you guys go about keeping that fresh and alive and, and focused so you that know, when the it, kids aren't there, you're still connected? Right. It, and we, I will say, and this is a theme through a lot of my conversation with parents as well, but we were very intentional about it. And what I mean by that is starting when we were when we were married without children it wasn't a challenge but when the when the kids started coming um every saturday night i mean every saturday night we went out on a date and it was just part of our process and you know and i think a lot of times what happens with husbands and wife they again they start to let that stuff take the back door or the back seat if you will and they don't keep that a priority <clears throat> so 
you know, we had a commitment to that. Now, you know, you have to get a babysitter or you have to, you know, you have to find a way to make it work. So that's why I say you have to be pretty intentional about it. And you have to plan a little bit when the kids are younger. Um, but that was something that we did. And the other thing that we did was that we tried to do a regular, I'll call it a vacation slash trip with just us rather than the whole family. Now we did stuff as a family as well, but we, again, we were intentional about having that time for each other. And yeah, it, it's just a matter of priority. And, and if you, if you think about it and actually part of my message to parents is 80% of what your child learns and what they take with them to their life, they really learn through just watching you model things. And, you know, you demonstrate through your example how to have a marriage. And again, we were just very intentional about that. We knew that our relationship was the first priority. And part of what we were sharing with our children was, you know, how does a married couple interact? Um, and so it's, so that's it. But, you know, the, the practical stuff, you know, we went on a date, but then you got to be engaged at that point as well. Um, so, and, and, and just as another something to share, it's interesting. And actually I just wrote a blog post that kind of focused on this as well, that couples get married in the beginning. Our perspective is complete. It's love-based if you will. And when we look at our spouse, all we see are the awesome qualities that we love about them. And what happens is, is you start into the marriage and then think, you know, you progress. Sometimes we shift that perspective into, I, I called it's a more of a fear-based perspective or a fearful perspective. And then what happens is we start to see the flaws in our spouse and our attention becomes focused on, you know, those flaws rather than, you know, so we're not looking at what we fell in love with. We're looking at all, everything that's wrong about them. And part of the process of keeping the marriage vibrant is to shift your focus back to what you fell in love with originally. Though, if you think about it, those flaws were there before you just weren't looking at them. Right. I mean, we all have our flaws and it's a matter of, of refocusing your attention, which again, is something that you can do. It's a choice. You know, you can choose to see the beauty in your spouse or you can choose not to. And I'm just telling you, the marriage will work a lot better. If you choose to see the beauty, you know, that'll, that'll make things work a lot better. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. So as you were going on these dates, you know, you're, you're taking your wife out, you're making sure that your marriage is your first priority. Um, where so many of us will make our children first priority, right? You're making your, your wife first priority. What would a date look like? Because I mean, if I go on a date to the movies, I'm assuming I'm not going to get the conversation that you're talking about that needs to really occur. So what does that, what does a date look like that you were going on? You know, it's funny you mentioned movies because we, we are movie people. So we would go, you know, a movie would be a common thing, but we would, you know, go to dinner or maybe go have some appetizers before, you know, something along those lines where you would have an opportunity to have some conversation. Um, but it, you know, it's as much about the intention of it. It's about spending time together and saying, "Hey, you're a priority in my life." Um, so, it, you know, we would do movie and a dinner, or movie and an appetizer. Uh, sometimes we would just go out. Um, 
you know, to, to dinner with, and it's, it could be with friends too. It's about having adult time. You know, another thing that parents deal with is they end up spending all their time talking to the children and they feel like they don't have adult time. And so the other piece of it is, is spend some time with some other adults and, you know, have those kind of conversations as well. So, um, you know, and we, you know, there's just, you know, we might go for a walk, you know, that could be, you know, go where we live, there's a downtown area. So we could go down there and, and, and walk and move, you know, maybe go to a couple of different places, if you will, and have an appetizer at one and dinner at another. So it was just a matter of just going out, um, just like you would if you were going out on a, on a date, you know, we, we would go to a, um, with a lot of um, communities around us have free concerts in the summer, for example you know, where they bring in a local artist and it's, it's like an outdoor the, um, amphitheater type of a thing. So we, you know, would go to, to one of those and you sit with a little picnic, you know, in those kind of scenarios. So that's what they look like. Gotcha. So it wasn't just a, a one format, you're going out on a date and it's going to fit this flow and this kind of diagram. It's let's have some variety. Let's have fun. We're going to make room for conversation, but we're also going to make time to just enjoy ourselves. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. And uh, we're the, we're not super um, planning. You know, we don't plan a lot in the future. So sometimes we get in the car on Saturday night and say, okay, you know, what are we doing? And we would figure it out from there, which spontaneity is sometimes it's fun. That brings a little bit of, of variety to things as well. Gotcha. Um, you'd mentioned about as far as like the, the family business bankruptcy, like, what happened? How did that come about? And then how did you navigate that so that it, it was a hurricane that you got through, you know? Right. Yeah. And that, that was actually early on, um, in our marriage, we were married maybe eight, nine, 10 years when, when that happened. Um, and it is a, it's a challenge because, you know, it, it, you know, you feel there's a responsibility, you know, you feel some responsibility about how did I, did I help cause this? And, you, you know, there's that, it's a, there's a sense of failure that goes with that. And that's part of, you know, this, the struggle with the relationship is me going through that process of feeling like, oh, maybe I failed in this situation, which, you know, affects your self-esteem. And then you're just not the same person. You're not as giving and as connected to your spouse at that moment. And you had to find a way to recover from that. Um, and so, but, the, you know, we went through a, um, you know, the business filed a chapter 11 and then it was eventually sold. And so then it was a point where I had to, okay, shift direction. I'm not, that's not my employer anymore either. So I had to kind of regroup from a career standpoint. So, and that's a challenge, you know, for a man, you know, trying to find that new place to be. And and again, from a self-worth standpoint, feeling like, okay, where can I go and, and you know, earn and have value and feeling like I'm providing, you know, holding up my end of the bargain from a family standpoint as well. So all of that kind of stuff was, you know, came up during that time. And, um, you know, the, the way you get through it and the way, you know, when it comes down to it, it's, it's a mindset, you know, you just have to start to shift that mindset into more of a positive frame. And, and I think we, we were talking a little bit before, 
we started the recording, you mentioned the idea of not being a victim. And that's a, that's a huge shift in perspective when you can start to shift from taking responsibility and saying, okay, I'm not a victim here. I can go out and have some impact. And it, it's a shift in mindset that you have to go through. And to be quite honest, sometimes we have to go through something difficult and it sort of wakes us up to that. And then we're, we're able to, to move forward. And, and actually, Part of my message to parents, and I'll just I'll share this now because I think it fits. I like to encourage them to think of the fact that we all have two competing mindsets that reside within inside of us. And the, the two competing mindset, one of them is love-based and one of them is fear-based. And in any given moment in time, we're either coming from that love-based mindset or perspective, if you will, we're engaging with the world from a loving perspective or with love, or we're engaging with the world from a fearful perspective. Um, and that's really the only two choices we have. And part of the process of personal development growth is being able to be much more intentional about choosing which mindset you're coming from. Um, and what happens in those in example of the bankruptcy, you get sort of thrown into a fearful mindset because you're worried about things. You feel, you know, you, you, you don't feel like, um, you know, you don't know where your future's going. You're, you know, I need to find a way to earn this. Just, there's a lot of fear built in there. And what it's interesting when you're coming from a fearful perspective, you tend to be, you know, whatever you do tends to be destructive. It's It doesn't move things forward. Um, it's not healing. But if you can start to shift to that love-based mindset, which one of the things you do when you do that is you forgive yourself, right? I mean, this happened, the circumstance happened with our business. There had to be, I had to go through a process of forgiving, you know, sort of letting go of that negative judgment uh, for myself so that I could then start to look forward. And then the other big piece is gratitude. You know, there still was a lot to be grateful for. And you so you start to focus on those attributes, which are more love-based, and then it opens up possibilities. Okay, now I can act in a different way. And you see hope out in front of you. I mean, that's what starts to create some hope of a future that you can move towards. Um, and so that's what you go. And it's the same thing with parents, parent, especially with teenagers. You think about they can be fear-based or love-based. And in the other words I like to use that uh, parents with teenagers really connect with is sometimes parents with teenagers try to control everything that their teenagers doing. And that is a fear-based approach. You know, they're worried about what the teen's going to do. And so they're fearful and they try to control everything as opposed to a more love-based approach is where they try to empower the teenager. So there's this shift from control to empowerment. And that's huge when it comes to parenting your teenager, if you can make that. And parents that hold on to control, that's where 99% of the conflict comes in with their teenager is because they're over controlling and trying to control everything that that teen does. Yeah. When you're talking about like love versus fear, um, is it, in the same scope as like uh i believe it was the prince that was written by machiavelli is that right i, be I believe the, the book was called the prince is it in that same vein as far as like being a ruler and how would you rule a kingdom because i mean in essence you are you're caring for your family does it come right. along that same same line yeah i would think that it would and if if you're love-based 
Mm-hmm. Um, I like to t- to suggest to people to think of you know being love based, love heals scenarios, and it's um, it so it's, it has a healing component to it, and it provides hope for the future. I mean that that's the big thing is it heals. Um, where fear, you know, being coming from that fearful base is always destructive. It tends to damage the relationship. So in your home, whether it's your the husband and wife or you're as a parent to a child, um, whenever you come from a fearful perspective, you tend to damage those relationships and, and um, they're not empowering, if you will. They don't help things move forward. Whereas if you come from a love-based mindset, it's going to tend to heal any damage that you created. And it's empowering in that it helps that person to develop and grow and move forward. So it, yeah, and I, I can see how it's, it's just, it's an approach, you know, it's how do you, are you approaching things and where are you coming from? Um, and it's hard to be quite honest. It's, it's difficult because things happen that pull you into that fearful mindset. I mean, every, for a parent of a teenager, every time they get in the car and drive out of the driveway, you get confronted with it, right? I mean, it just happens. You start to worry about them and what's, what's going to happen and what choices are they going to make? And so it's, it's, you know, it just happens. It, you know, it's very common. So, you know, but I like to encourage parents to think, you know, but you can make a choice. That's the point is you do have an opportunity to cho- choose, but you have to be intentional about that and, you know, try to learn. And that's part of the personal development component is how do I learn to be aware, first of all, when I'm in that mindset. And then if I catch myself there, what are some strategies I can use to shift? And if I, you know, if I want to shift to be more love-based, how, do, how can I do that? So that that's personal development. Um, and it's, it's a great, you know, and that's what we all, the journey that we're all on is learning to do that. Now you had talked about um, as far as, you know, like when you uh, had the bankruptcy with the business, kind of like your identity when you sold the business, right? Um, with the economy, the way it's been the last couple of years, you know, identity has become something that, you know, either as we're quitting a job or, you know, being laid off or, or, you know, the, the company is downsizing. Um, how did you like recenter on what your identity is after you've gone through something like that? Yeah. And it is a challenge. And I would say to your listeners, it's not like there's this super simple two second fix for this sort of thing. I mean, it, it's, it's a challenge. And it, and the other interesting thing is everybody's circumstance is unique. And what I mean by that is that, you know, their life history, I mean, where, how they got to where they are is distinct. I mean, um, you know, I have one brother, my family has a certain dynamic, but you may, you know, you may have different siblings, different family, dynamic, you know, all of that contributes to who you are at that moment. And that's why everybody's circumstance is unique. But the solution lies in being able to manage first thing is to manage your mindset or your your perspective where you're coming from um and it, you know as you start to gain it you know the ability to make that choice intentional because what happens is like you say you lose the identity so let's say somebody they they've been laid off and so they kind of lose that identity and that sense of purpose in effect um you as you shift, if you can, it, that becomes fearful. That's why I'm saying you become fearful. And then it's when you're there, it's hard to see a future 
with any hope because you don't, you know, it just, it, it's amazing. It's perspective is so powerful. You know, when you're in that mindset, you just don't see the opportunities that are there. They can be right in front of you and you just won't recognize them. And I know that seems odd to think, but it, it's, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And so if you can shift your mindset to more of a love centered, uh, a love-based mindset, you're going to start to see things will open up. You'll see possibility and opportunity um, there that you would that you don't see otherwise. Um, and part of that brings hope. And and part of the love-based mindset is the idea of service and contribution. And that starts to bring back purpose. And so it's the quote, you start to think, okay, how can I contribute here? Uh, how can I um, find a place where I can be of service? And you think that direction and all of a sudden a job opportunity will pop up around that. And it may not be one that you ever thought about before, but all of a sudden it'll be there. And it's like, oh, yeah, I, maybe that would work for me. And then you start, again, you see a future that has some possibilities, some hope, um, but it all starts by shifting that mindset and having, okay, because then you start to think more in terms of how can I serve? How can I contribute? Um, actually, Tony Robbins, I heard him once say, the key is you get, if you want to be, uh, feel happy and sense of purpose, you got to either be learning or growing or serving somebody. Those are the two key components. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And those are critical components to that love-based mindset. You know, how can I serve and um, how can I grow and learn? Because there's always new stuff to learn. Yeah, there is. There is a ton of stuff with um, with a, a different angle and, and perspective on it. Um, now, as as you were going through your personal growth journey and you're finding your identity and readjusting as you're going through, how did you see your growth impact your family, like inside of like your marriage and and then with your parenting? How did things change? Yeah. So from the, from the marriage standpoint, you know, it, it, it's interesting. You go through struggles and if you work your way through them, you're stronger after the fact it's part of the character or the substance of our marriage. Um, and you know, it's by going through those struggles and that's part of, you know, being married for 40 years, you have, you know, that's the, you become more fortified. And I feel like our relationship is stronger now than it's ever been. And it's because of what we went through. So it's, again, going through a difficult time while it's challenging, there's a lot of benefit from that. And in some ways you're grateful for going through that because you learn and grow and you become closer as a result of that. Um, from a parenting perspective, you know, I went through a lot of personal growth. And so, Back to what I was saying, you know, the uh, our kids see that and we model a different way of approaching uh, situations, problems. You know, how do you solve an issue? How do you address a problem? You know, as we grow personally, we, we model a uh, maybe a more effective way to do that. Um, and so they see that and they learn it. And then that personal growth also puts us in a different position when we engage with the child. Um you know, and one of the ways was, you know, that I mentioned control, you know, you start to, you know, being able to shift from fearful to to love-based and, and sort of being comfortable and letting go of a little bit of control around the, the child and focusing on empower them, empowering them. Um, a simple example is, you know, your fourth grader comes home and they have homework to do. You know, our approach started to be, well, 
you know, would you like to do the homework right when you get home from school or do you want to wait till after dinner? You turn over a little bit of that decision making and that responsibility to them and with the idea of coaching them through that. And as they get older, you give them a little bit more responsibility. And, you know, there's a because part of the goal, it, it's interesting, part of the goal is you want them to be able to go, you know, launch at some point to be able to go and be an effective adult. And in order for them to be there, you got to start giving them some responsibility and, and coaching them through that. And so in that example, the fourth grader says, I want to study after dinner. So you here's the the risk. You, you may feel like, well, that's maybe not the best plan, but you know he wants to try it. They do it for a week and they come home at the end of the week with a bad grade on the math test, right? Because this, the their plan didn't work out as well. But as a parent, you got to be able to let that happen sometimes. And then you go back to them and say, well, how did that, you know, how did that work for you this week? And they'll say, well, it didn't go very well. Well, how else could you approach it? Do you want to try a different plan next week? And you you see how through that process, we're helping to have the child become thoughtful. You're helping them to be able to be responsible um, and to be resourceful in solving their own problems. And so as I developed and saw the value in those kind of skills, then you start trying to teach it and transfer it to your kids at the same time. So you're, you're through opportunities and experiences, equipping them with you know critical thinking skills so that they can kind of skin their knee when it's not as crucial. It's not going to be like life threatening. Um, you're giving them that, that opportunity to discern what they want to do and how the results kind of weigh out. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So you turn that over and it's and it's not just what they are doing. It's back to the hero's two journeys. It's who they are being in that circumstance as well. And um, and we coach, you know, and we've done a lot of co- we model a certain perspective. Again, we try to be as love-based as possible, but we also coach on that. I'll give you a specific example. Um, you can, if you, I don't know if you have kids that are teen years through high school, um, but there's no way to get a teenager through high school without them coming home at some point and telling you they have a bad teacher. You know, that teacher's awful. They don't know what they're doing. They're terrible, right? I mean, it's just going to happen. And if you think about it, that's a perspective you know, they're seeing that teacher through the lens. It's a fearful perspective. It's judgmental, if you will. And and we had that happen. And part of our coaching, there were two pieces to it. One of them was, okay, that's a circumstance that you have to learn how to, to work with so that you can still accomplish the goal of a good grade. You know, they have to work their way around that. But then the second part of the coaching was, and, I, and we had these specific conversations where you say to them, you know, that teacher got into teaching because they were passionate about teaching kids. If they're struggling now, it's because something's going on in their life that's holding them back. And maybe we should have some compassion for that person. And how can we support them and help them rediscover their passion for teaching? I mean, that it, it's sort of encouraging your child to be a um a catalyst for somebody else moving forward and taking, you know, and taking on that role of, a, like I say, it's like a hero in some way, taking a stand. Um, and that's, that's a perspective shift. And when you shift that perspective, then they can go see that teacher the next day and have some compassion for them. It makes the whole thing work better. Yeah. 
you know what I'm saying? It just, Mm -hmm. it makes them in a better place. They can receive information. They'll be more effective. And so the, it, it helps on the grade component as well as just the way they feel, you know, how they feel as they're sitting there in the class. Yeah. Cause that teacher won't be the last person that they're confronted by. I mean, absolutely into into work and it could be a coworker. It could be a manager. Um, right. So, and so rather than, yeah, rather than being, say, you know, complain and a victim of the situation and back to the victim conversation. Um, one way is, well, I'm not a victim, but then how can I make a difference in this situation? How can I be, um, serve, you know, we talked about service. How can I be of service to that person? And sometimes, you know, with that teacher, it may just be going in and, and having a smile on your face and saying, good morning, hope you have a good day. You know, something along those lines, because <laughs> you are, are showing some gratitude for that person. Um, it's just amazing what, you know, how we can heal and accomplish um, a lot more from that love-based perspective. And so that my point is that's part of what we were teaching and coaching on as well. And the reason we did that is because we were discovering how well that worked for us as we went through all the challenges that we went through in our life. You know, our own personal development sort of taught us um, that was part of that second journey of self-discovery, if you will. Um, and then you want to share that with your children to help. Hopefully they can you know, learn that lesson and be able to apply it in, as they move through life as well. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. I mean, it's, you want to have your kids in a better place than, uh, you know, where you went through and not find all the potholes you have in life. Right. So I, exactly. I, I, I totally get that. <laughs> um, what would you say are like two to three resources that as you were going through, you know, the bankruptcy, the hurricanes, you know, the the struggles with, you know, raising children and, and just navigating a family. Um, what are two or three resources that helped you to successfully do that and grow more towards the love side than the fear side? So for me, um, I start, you know, I've, I've always read. So for me, I would just say books are resources. Now I know in today's world, we have YouTube and other places we can go to the internet and, and, you know, look at a blog post or whatever, but reading, um, constantly reading was always a part of my process. And, you know, there, and I would encourage your audience to think in terms, some books will speak to them more than others. Some authors will speak to you more than others. So just because, you know, I mentioned like Tony Robbins, you know, I followed him and listened to some of his work and read some of his books. Um, and he speaks to me in some ways, but that doesn't mean he's going to speak to everybody. So I would just encourage your audience to, if you go look for resources, um, you know, you glance through it, you look at the table, of kind of, some things are going to, you're going to be more attracted to others. And it's interesting. I found over years, you know, a book I looked at 10 years ago, I may have thought, I'm not really interested in that. But today I might be, and it's because I'm in a different point in my journey. And so, you know, I'm now ready, if you will, to listen to or to consume that information. So, you know, start where you are. And if there's something of interest, and again, that's part of it. I put together a book. My book might be of interest to some of your some of your listeners, and they can look at it. You know, you go to Amazon, you know how they always show you the first 20, 30 pages. You kind of read through that and say, does this, you know, does this uh, seem like a message that's resonating with me? So for me, reading was always a part of that personal journey for myself. But then the other piece for me is I started writing as well. 
And it was a form of like journaling, but it was a way for me to process what I was thinking about and, um, and put onto paper what was going through my mind. So I started writing it just, that became another way for me to grow and learn and be, it was insightful. You know, you start to learn and you, and you become, you know, you have those moments like aha moments, if you will, where you, you, something kind of hits you. And a lot of times for me, it happened when I was writing about it. And it's, it's the process of trying to explain it to somebody else. You know, if I was going to share it with somebody else, how would I say this? And that forces you to really get it at a deeper level. So those were the two primary things or activities that I engaged with that I think really helped move me along. And, and other than just dealing with my day-to-day stuff and part of I guess maybe a third thing is then you got to be very intentional about how do I apply these lessons in my day-to-day life in the moment. Um, another, I like to use the idea of, you know, life will put the squeeze on you. Something will happen. It's a, it's an issue or concern will come up and that's sort of life squeezing you a little bit. And so then the question is, can you be intentional about, Oh, let's try to apply a lesson that I've learned. And how can that, then, you know, move me forward and pass that particular circumstance. So, um, so it's, it's that third, I guess, component would be very intentional about, you know, trying to apply those lessons on a daily basis. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, um, Jim, outside of this podcast, how can people get in touch with you? So the business, my coaching practice is Family Enrichment Academy. So they can go to the Family Enrichment. It's just familyenrichmentacademy.com. Um, on there, I have a contact page with my email address, which is jim at familyenrichmentacademy.com. So, you know, come there. I have a blog. I have a YouTube channel as well with, um, you know, I'm producing content on a regular basis around parent, primarily parenting teenagers. Um, so especially your audience that has teens or preteens, or maybe they're starting to move and think, you know, into those teen years, um, I think they would enjoy and find value in, in the content that's there, which on that point, I do have a resource that I'd like to offer to your, to your audience as well. It's a, it's a free uh, resource and what I have, it will back up. One of the most common issues that I hear from parents with teenagers is they start to feel disconnected from their teen and like their teen won't open up and talk to them. You know, there's just no, they get the one word answers. There's no conversation. And part of the solution to that, I always suggest is you have to ask better questions. If you start to ask better questions, that helps to open that teen up. And so the resource that I have, I have 10 questions you should never ask your teenager. These are like conversation killers, if you will, the ones that, you know, shut them down. And then on the flip side, I've got 10 great questions, you know, the conversation starters. And so that's the the resource. It just sort of gives people a place to start. And, you know, they start using these questions and they might be amazed at how quickly their teenager will open up to them and start to open up. So, um, and I can provide a link, but if you go to the website, you'll see it right at the top of the homepage, but I'll send a link to you as well that goes directly to the the place where they can download that resource. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's, I'd love to have people join the community and, um, you know, we're just all trying to help each other and move each other forward. That's the key. Well, perfect. And Jim, I'll be sure to put the uh, link in the show notes. So it'll be there as well. Well, Jim, thank you very much for joining me and sharing your journey, your insights, and man, just 40 years. Have not reached there yet, 
but that is super encouraging. So I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode. And remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.